All right, and welcome to another episode of Sports Biz from an Agent's Perspective. All right, you're with your host, Zila, a.k.a. Chester Mbekela. And uh, yeah, exciting episode that we have, man, for today. Um, episode number 77. Yo. Um, yeah, it literally feels like yesterday, man, we were doing our first episode. So to be 77 episodes in, man, um, yeah, I can't help but be, you know, thankful. Um, I mean, I enjoy, you know, making episodes where, you know, I'm recording alone and stuff. But I think I enjoy um, the conversations and quote-unquote interviews that I get to have, you know, bringing either professional athletes, you know, other sports agents, um, coaches and team execs, etc., you know. Um, so yeah, without, you know, further ado, today we have a guest, man, this is someone, you know, whose career I've followed for a long time, um, by the way, we're going to talk rugby today, you know, <laughs> so for my football fans, please, you know, just bear with us, uh, bear with us, and it would be, you know, um, a learning curve for you guys as well, you know, my philosophy is always never be constricted to only one sport, it's always good to, you know, listen to people, who've um you know who've walked the path in other sporting codes you know so um i'm gonna bring on my guest later on man um he's got an amazing story and i hope you guys enjoy it all right but before we get into that we gotta pay those bills man all right i'll see you guys after the break this episode is sponsored by better help if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. I know, you know, from my personal experience, man, when I was an athlete, when I was a player, you know, there'd be times I would go through, you know, feelings of like stress and anxiety, you know, stress to perform, you know, stress to play well, to make sure you play for that next contract. And, you know, I really wish that I had had, you know, certain like avenues to really vent and get out these frustrations and just have an objective party to talk to, right? BetterHelp, man, it's a platform that offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you through, you know, your tough time or whatever you're going through. Now you're able to talk to your therapist in private, um, in an online environment at your convenience. So it's literally therapy um, wherever you may be, you know, um, there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapists network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then uh, you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Imagine that, under 48 hours. Then you schedule uh, secure video and phone sessions and then uh, plus you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist um, and everything you share is 100% and completely confidential right what I've found helpful man with using a platform um, like BetterHelp again you know is just their response time that if you're going through something um, you're able to talk with your therapist and share it right there and then you know my therapist, uh, Mark, is so efficient um, and I'm really um, happy that I'm working with him. 
All right, and then you can actually also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime if the current, like the current um, therapist that you matched with doesn't work out for you. All right, so you don't need to stress and feel like you're trapped with one therapist. You can actually request to change. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to Sports Bears from an agent's perspective, podcast listeners. So you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. Right? That's betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. E-K-E-L-A, Bekela. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Sure, good brush. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, All right, yeah, thanks. Yeah, and on my side as well. Yeah, Vagala All right. Okay, thank you, William, and thank you for joining me. Um, good evening from my side. Um, you know, thanks for taking the time to come have a chat with me. Um, how's things? How's Russia? I know it's good, bro. Um, I mean, Russia is Russia. Is Russia. Uh, everything is good. Uh, we're moving on. We, we're working, mm-hmm. but everything is within the country. Everything is closed within the country. So Okay. Uh, we're not playing outside the country yet. Everything okay. is still internal. Yeah, otherwise, uh, thank you for having me. Mm. I'm looking for chat. Okay, all right. Um, uh, before we start, how's the corona situation? Like, are you guys still um, under lockdownish sort of thing? Or is it just back to normal? Like, everything back to normal? Uh, everything is back to normal. But uh, obviously, whenever you get sick, uh, the first thing they still require is for you to just do a COVID test. Oh, okay. And then from there, obviously, they take it from there. And then uh, you'll be only allowed to do either surgery or obviously be looked after. Oh, okay. All right. All good. Anyway, man, yeah, no, without further, uh, further ado, sorry, man. Um, yeah, I can see we, we spent like 20 minutes <laughs> trying to connect. So I'm seeing I've already lost a lot of time with you. Um, yeah, no stress. I'm, gonna, I'm not busy today. Like I said, it's an off, off day for okay. me. So, yeah, so all good. All right. All right. So just to kick things off, man, um, could you please do like a self intro? Yeah, just to give us on the surface who Vuyo Zanga is. Uh, okay. So um, I'll just do like a rugby intro type of thing. Okay. Uh, for example, okay. So my name is Vuyo Zanga. Um, I was born in Umtata, in a small town of the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to East London to finish off my high school. Um, then I was introduced to rugby at 14, okay. in ni- 1995, when I was started, well, I was doing some schooling in Iqlobo before Hudson. Mm-hmm. And then, and then after that, when I moved to Hudson, I basically had to choose between soccer and rugby. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, well, after playing, after obviously finding out that the popular sport is rugby, within right. the school mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. Uh, sort of went with that because 
I was playing first team in both, so sort of okay. went with uh, with with the rugby. Okay. And then after that, I moved to Natal. Okay. All right. I'll, I'm just going to stop you there. Don't give too much away, bro. <laughs> we're still going to dive deep into okay. those things. Um, so I think, yeah, no, um, um, I like what you presented. Um, it was a bit of on the surface, but I, yeah, I don't want you to give too much away. Okay. Um, All right. So no, gonna, that's good. Yeah, we're just going to run it back, um, back to your earlier days. As you said, um, you know, you were born in Tata. And stuff like that. You know, how was your childhood growing up um, in Utah before moving to East London? Like, what would a young Vuyo get up to, um, you know, in the earlier days? Um, uh, pretty much uh, like any any growing, loving sport boy, where I was literally going to school, come back, and did soccer from literally from 3 o'clock till 7 Sometimes even didn't do homework because I, <laughs> <laughs> it was just no time for it. But uh, but fortunately for me, I grew up playing soccer with older guys, so mm-hmm. I advanced mm-hmm. much quicker than I than I was ex- was expected. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's pretty much what I used to get up to. Uh, after obviously when I got to high school, it changed a little bit okay. because now mm-hmm. there was a little bit more focus on the sport itself that I was mm-hmm. chosen. There would be trainings mm-hmm. after school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get home, do homework, and then pretty much go to the park and play cricket till it's dark. That's oh, that was, okay. yeah, that was my life in, in school. <laughs> yes, yes, all right. And then, um, when when was it exactly when you got introduced to um, Iraq? But like, like when was your first moment, you know, with rugby? Your introduction to the game. The introduction to the game was 1995. That's when okay. I started uh, the introduction so one of my coaches back then he was not a, he, he was a senior he was a prefect so he decided okay. to take under 14 b's okay and uh, just in that moment where after he took under 14 b's he was playing second team scrum off so okay. he said to me look uh, i want to try it at scrum off because you actually quite quick and you got good feet um then uh I had a worst game ever. (laughs) What happened? I couldn't get the passes away from the base of the scrum. Mm. And all my passes from the base of the rucks were wobbly. So everything was just weird. But lucky for me, the guy was quite patient. And he said, you know what? I can see something in you. And Mm. um, I would like to to keep working with you. And from there, um, playing training and playing touch rugby and hostel, helped a lot okay. helped a lot massively yeah so that's when i i started obviously uh falling in love with the game okay all right and then in in soccer what uh, what position did you play i was a uh, typical six uh, okay. workaholic okay. Uh, moving on midfield. the field moving, yeah <laughs> midfield but then uh, what i noticed is that i was actually not too bad in uh, being a striker as well so I, I believed in those one-touch strike. So mm, 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 everything mm. that I did in the striking role was uh, uh, play ball through uh-huh. and do the finishing. That was mostly what um, I liked. But uh, as you know, the, everyone is, when you're growing up, everyone wants to score the goals. That's so, true. Mm. Yeah, so mm. it was congested quite a lot of people at nine. So that's why I just took six and I just controlled everything in the middle. Okay, all right. Okay, and then obviously moving on to the Hudson Park days. Now, in at Hudson Park, did you continue playing um, soccer as well? Or when you got there, was it just like, okay, now 
you know, we're just going to dive into this rugby thing and we're going to see, you know, what's what with the rugby? Or did you do both? Um, so I, w- when I first got there, um, part of the, my interview at the school, mm. the, 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 the deputy principal at the time, he, he, was, he, he had heard about my rugby Okay. And he wanted to find out more. Um, so he was pretty excited because then I would have played for his under 15 A team. Uh, so was, yeah, so he was pretty excited for me to join rugby. And he literally told the team and everyone at the school that I would be joining rugby. Okay. Uh, so then when I started, uh, rugby was obviously term two and term three, first mm. half of term three. Mm-hmm. And then, funny enough, soccer was the back end of term three. And, oh, okay. Yeah, so. Clash. So I yeah so it didn't clash at first I joined that, um I so then I joined soccer quite late, uh, in the in the in the in the year, but when things got a little bit more serious when I started playing first team uh, first team rugby, mm-hmm. then obviously first team would train between half past two and five, and then also the season was longer because you mm-hmm. you you get the is it. Um, Festivals and stuff like that. Festivals, yeah. The March, the March festival, which is mm. called the, I can't remember now. Then you get the June, uh, the June uh, games, and then you get the September one. Mm. So the first team uh, rugby just took preference, and I was, and you know when you play soccer, you play on Wednesdays, and it was not uh, something that I wanted. So <laughs> you, you mother games on a Wednesday. They were on a Wednesday, so rugby was a Saturday where everyone is at the, at yeah. the school. Everyone. Yeah. Is, so, I mean, uh, rugby was pretty much an easy choice to make. Mm. All right. So, you, you played in that 2001 first team was for Hudson Park. Uh, 2000. Oh, 2000. 2000. 2000. Yeah. So, that means you would have played against... Uh, who are the Queen's uh, first team wings? Engo Futomos. Who else was there? Can't remember the, 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 uh, ta- the I think it was, it was Futo and ta- Tani Lamini, I think, in 2000. Yeah. yeah. And Futo was quick. Yeah. yeah. No, he, was, he was. He was. How was it playing against Queen's College? Uh, at the time, look, we we were struggling, you know, because our first team was uh, the way it was selected. That the, the guy was coaching us. He was from outside. He wasn't a teacher. So he came with a lot of ideas and he didn't know most of the players. Mm. in terms of uh, just the qualities that we had. So he moved, he reshuffled a lot of guys. For example, I was a nine till my trick. Then was moved to 10, mm. which was for my first position. And then there's a couple of guys who were, who were brilliant finishers at winger. Uh, they were moved to center, outside center. And mm. there was just a lot of reshuffle. Guys who were playing, uh, guys uh, were playing outside center would be moved to fullback. So there was a lot of reshuffling mm. in, in our back line. And so we were pretty much struggling throughout the whole year. Uh, we were in the back, especially playing the boys' schools. Mm. We were pretty mm. much on the back foot. We could compete a little bit with the other co-ed schools like Sterling and uh, uh, Cambridge, friends. Mm. We could compete. But uh, when it comes to the boys' schools, we were just pumped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, that... That was, you know, those those years, man. You know, schoolboy rugby was it was something else. Yeah, it was something, totally something else. All right, um, and then making the decision, you know, to pursue rugby after school. Now, you know, to make such a decision, bro. Most of the time with the youngsters, it's usually when they're approached, you know, by unions. Um, and and I mean, you know, back in the days when you made such a decision, you know, rugby wasn't 
something that was pursued much, especially by people of, you know, um, you know, players of color type of thing. Like, what gave you the confidence that, you know what, I'm going to pursue this thing after school? Um, the funny story is that I didn't actually. Um, so didn't. I, no, I didn't. So my father, my, my father literally went from uh, straight. I was in grade eleven. I remember I was in grade eleven. Okay. And he said, "Look, um, you're gonna go to Durban. You're gonna go study, mm. and uh, I've already got a school for you. They've accepted you. This mm. was grade eleven. So by the time I was in matric, I, I already knew I'm going to Durban. I'm going to study." Mm. So I started IT. So I went there uh, my first year, um, straight after high school, started IT. Sort of, uh, so if you remember, under 19 tournament, mm. uh, 19 tournament and under 21 tournament started just after June, I think. Yeah, just yes, yes, early yes. July type of thing. Yeah. So, mm. so basically, the first half of the year, um, I didn't do anything. Then my brother came. My brother came to my room. Um, mm. We were sharing a house. Uh, he came to my room. Older brother? And, yes, older brother. He was in Durban as well. So he came to my room on a, it was a lousy Saturday. We had, we had been partying the night before. <laughs> Drama. He, yeah, he's like waking me up. He's like, listen, bro, we need a fly-off. Our fly-off just pulled out. He's got some family problems. Mm. We need a tent. And I said, but I don't even have boots, man. I'm lazy. I don't want to do anything. And literally, the guys gave me a perfect size boot, mm. which was easy because I'm a 10. So, I mean, a lot of rugby players do wear between 10 and 11. So, uh, mm. yeah, then I uh, then we went and played. And, I mean, I had such a good fun in that game. I don't I felt it was so easy to play. Mm. So, I was playing for University of Durban. Uh, so, like, uh, UND. Mm-hmm. And then... <clears throat> And then uh, the coach literally came to me afterwards and said, he begged me to stay. He said, <laughs> I, will, I will pay you if I have to. But what? Please, yeah, he said, please stay. Help us out for the rest of the season. And that's how it started. And then from, yes. there, yeah, then from there, I was, I was starting being noticed by a lot of clubs uh, mm-hmm. around. And uh, yeah, that's basically the story. That's how it started being professional. Yeah. All right. And then um, there was a time that you were with the Jags, because I remember when I was in Ireland, I saw a picture, uh, Benji van der Bell's picture. And I remember seeing you in the pick as well with the Jags. Um, how was your time there? And by the time you were playing with the Jags now, were you starting to be like in the Sharks system, so to speak? Or, you know, what was your journey with the Jags? Uh, so uh, the, the, how it started with the Jags was, because I was playing for UND in 2001. Mm. And uh, we sort of got tired of the the the, the system, the club system. Yeah. Uh, easy games. Mm. And also, there was nothing for us. And, I mean, we had guys like Kaunda mm. who, were, who were SA boys. And they felt, they also felt they needed a change to bigger league. Mm. Because the, the University of Durban under-21 team didn't play against... They didn't play, they played the top teams, but they didn't, mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. first team, we would have played second division. Okay. So we thought, we sort of thought, okay, you know what, guys, there were, there were like five guys who was, we just made a decision. We said, listen, we're going to move, all move to Jaguars and we're going to mm-hmm. try and help them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we all moved to Jaguars in 2002. Okay. And then that's when now we were all playing first team. And uh, then I was picked up by the under 21 uh, squad, the coaches. 
No, because we were playing first team now. Then I was picked up to be involved in that squad uh, in 2002. And then I got my development contract. Okay. Then that's when I met guys like Benji, uh, Tommy. Yeah, basically all the boys that played for Jaguars. Okay. And then, uh, yes, we played 2002 together. And then uh, our best season was 2003, where we reached the final of the Murray Cup. Mm. Um, yeah, that was by beating. First game was Collegians. Uh uh, yeah, collegians. We we beat them. They had guys like Dean Hall, Trevor mm. Halstead, yes. They had they had a packed shark squad. We beat mm. them at Jags, and then we went to play in uh, at Rovers, our semi final. Yeah, we beat the Rovers team, also fully packed with the Sharks boys. Sharks players as well. Yeah, mm. and then we lost to Crusaders in the in the final, which they didn't have any Sharks players. But okay. it's just that for us, uh, the the two past weekends were massive. We were they were massive in terms of just uh, us, um, you know, mentally. When you mentally drain, because every yeah. week it's a game for us, and the team has never gotten that far. So, so for us, uh, I mean, it was a good tournament. Uh, I actually picked up play of the tournament. Uh, were you playing flower at the time? I was playing fullback at the time. Oh. I had already moved to fullback. Okay, so it was pretty much. Uh, a nice free space running rugby. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no. Yeah, and I mean club rugby is very strong in Durban. So I think you were yeah, definitely in the in the right setup to just express yourself. Yeah. All definitely. right. And and then um so at what point did you now get to return to East London to represent Border Men's? Um so when I was playing in in uh, Durban. Mm-hmm. So we were playing. So you, you remember there was a there's a tournament called Club Champs. Mm, club Champs, yes. I but that. but before you do the Club Champs, you get that uh, sort of like the black clubs. The, mm. the, they they the Club Champs. Mm. I can't what it was called. It wasn't called Club Champs, but it was something else. So so when we played uh, as Jaguars in that tournament, we played mm. teams like the Ronians. We played like the clubs from PE, Harlequins, uh, mm. the one club from Roses from Cape Town. So we 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 uh, we played in that tournament, and then when we played Elderonians, the the, co- the the boss of the Elderonians was there, okay. and he had heard that I don't have a contract with the Sharks, so he tried to get me in in mm. Elders in 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 in, uh, in the Golden Lions, and then I sort of spoke to my dad. I said, look. I'm tired of Durban. There's nothing happening. And also my studies in Durban were quite stagnant. I wasn't Mm. happy. So I just packed up everything, moved to Joburg. Then I played for Eldos for two years. And then in that two years, I was representing the Lions Sevens as well. Oh, And uh, yeah, and that's basically, that's when I decided, you know what? In South Africa, you need a 15s team for you to crack it. And Mm. yeah, Mm. and Eldos wasn't enough. So I just left and went to to East London back home. And then mm. I just uh, literally told that David Dowell was the coach at the time. I literally just told him that, look, I don't want any contract. I just want um, a trial. If if you do pick me, then whatever you see fit works. If it's match fees, I will accept. If it's contract, I'll accept. But just give me, just give me a, tr- a trial. And he gave me a trial. And that's when uh, obviously I was selected and started playing for border. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's an epic story, bro. And then getting that first call up 
um, to the SA Sevens? Like, when when did that happen? Like, which game um, were you scouted at, or which game did you have that was maybe at that point the game of your life that changed everything? When you know, um, maybe the next day you got a phone call saying, "Listen, you know, you got to report to Sevens camp." Like, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, uh, when when I was playing for Border, there were a lot of games that were on TV. Mm. Um, for border, it was a Lions game. I think there was a Boland game, mm. and I was, I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to perform in the the TV games. Okay, and then and then um, yeah. So when I was playing uh, the TV games, I then we they decided. Okay, we, you remember there was a sevens tournament at end, end of the year. It was called the Club Ch- Club Champ Sevens. Mm-hmm. Border. Then I was playing in that border team. Uh, no. I was helping out with the coaching as well. So I went with the border team to, and we beat literally everyone except Poland. We wow. cleaned up, yeah, we cleaned up EP and they had better players than us. We cleaned up um, Western Province and they had mm. better players than us. Mm. And the only team that stood in our way was Poland when we lost to them in the final. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so that uh, one thing that I picked up was when we played EP uh, in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul, Western Province was playing on the A field, and Paul True left the A field to come and watch us play on the B field, our quarterfinal. Oh, okay. And and in that game, I don't know if I could call it luck or it was meant to be. <laughs> um, EP made three or four line breaks, uh-huh. and I was sleeper, and I made all three or four tackles. And, nice. And competed and made a turnover. And we went to score afterwards. So, so it was pretty much written that uh, he would have had to, I would have had to do something really bad in the semifinal for him not to select me. Mm-hmm. And then even, even actually after the tournament was finished, I was, I was player of the tournament, even though we didn't win. We got pumped by 30 points in the final, mm-hmm. but I was still uh, taken as player of the tournament. So it was pretty much a good uh, tournament. And that's when I was invited, obviously, into the national team. Okay. All right. Okay. And then we're just going to talk now the journey with the SA7s team. Uh, like, look, for me, the first time I started watching Sevens, I just remember seeing um, the likes of you, Zondi Lestique, Mpombios, or Faba, Julies. Like, that's what got me into, and I was still in high school at the time, into like watching Sevens. Otherwise, before you guys, I don't really remember watching much of um, Sevens rugby. Like, you know, can you just take us through just the journey of um, playing with the SA7s team, whether it be, you know, some of the best highlights, memories that you have with the team? Uh, yeah, it's it's actually quite a big, uh, big one when it comes to playing um, with the team because when I, when I was invited into the squad, uh, mm. we stayed in Cape Town for like a month and a half. There were only four people training. It mm. was myself, mm. uh, Baldwin McBean, um, Renfred Dazel, and Mzondi um, Lestik. Mm. They were the only four training. And so after that, when we when we go went back, when when the team joined us, guys like Kubani Bobo joined, mm. uh, uh, like you say, Juries, Demas, Kabamba Flores, mm. and Jonathan Quena, and that's when uh, um, Kobani was named captain. Yes. So 
I was like, I was very fortunate to have such good leadership around mm. me mm. that they made my my stay at the Sevens pretty much seamless. And uh, even when those guys left, um, the friendship that we had built with Ustik, Umpo, uh, even like a guy like Uhio Aplon, the mm-hmm. friendship that we would have built around um, us, the, 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 the core group, was amazing. And um, the decision that Sari took in 2007 to, to make the team fully professional, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. also helped massively because then that meant instead of inviting players from 15s, we could have players who are only focusing on sevens. Sevens, yes. And yeah, and obviously, I mean, the rest was winning tournaments, started winning tournaments, started believing believing in ourselves. Mm. And then we, we ended up getting to the World Series at the top. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I remember that you guys won the 2008-2009 HSB7 Series, most. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we that season we took, uh, we we took Dubai and George, mm. and then we took, uh, we got to the final in, semi-final in, um, in America, got to the final in Hong Kong, we won Australia, which was Adelaide, and then we, we, wore, we, we got to the final in Edinburgh to win the tournament, to win the series. Okay. Hey, Brad, tell me, how hectic was it playing against William Wright? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was one of my toughest times, actually. Uh, <laughs> the first tournament. The first tournament that I played was Hong Kong. So, okay. Hong Kong, it's Australia after that. Mm. Uh, I didn't get much game time in Hong Kong. I, I only played the, the weaker games, like Chinese Taipei, Okay. Um, I mean, at the time, they were even like uh, the smaller teams like uh, Canada were not great. Mm-hmm. Even USA oh, at the time wasn't great. Yes, even yeah. USA at the time. So I played those games and I didn't get to play the likes of New Zealand, Fiji. Uh, and then we went to and then we went to Adelaide. Adelaide was the first tournament, first time we were going to be playing in Adelaide. Okay. And you must remember Adelaide, Adelaide Oval is a cricket pitch. So mm-hmm. it's as quick as anything you will ever find in a rugby field. <laughs> so, so I remember in the quarterfinals. So in the say no no it was it was quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterfinals we're playing Fiji. We we we're winning seventeen uh, ten. Okay. The one minute left. Paul decides he's gonna make us up. I'm going in. So I'm like no coach. <laughs> I said coach, why now? Because these guys on the field can finish off the game. Mm. He said, no, I'm believing in you. You must go. So as I went in, mm. uh, cut the social, they, they literally broke the line, made a offload on the last tackle. They, they scored under the poles to draw the game into extra time. Okay. Now extra time is pretty easy in sevens. You score first, you win the game. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> so now we, we kicked off. We, they, yeah, we kicked off. We won the ball back. We're playing. Then they got a penalty. They made a turnover breakdown. So now I'm busy screaming. I'm a sweeper. I mean, I'm a new boy in the team. I'm screaming, mm-hmm. hey, everyone, hold your line. Hold your line. Mm-hmm. And and from there, uh, Reno Benjamin decides he's going to shoot for William Ryder. <laughs> and you know, GMs, they always have tricks. He ducks under the tackle. Mm. He does under the tackle. He comes out. He, he literally goes through the same gap that was Reno sta- was Reno standing, and then he literally looked at me in the eyes and just went around me, burnt me clean. Yeah. 
my first instance of knowing, okay, what kind of player I'm Because I'm, for me, I thought to myself, the best mm. thing I could do is give him mm. my outside so that we can match pace for pace. Yes, yes. But he burnt me clean. Because, I mean, yeah, if you give me an inside, he's going to step you silly. I knew mm. that he's going to step me. So, mm. he literally, that's what happened. And, and uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, I had to go back home and restudy <laughs> everything. Uh, and uh, funny enough, we met again in um, in Edinburgh against Fiji. At mm. this time, I was four tournaments in. Mm. And because I spent so much time thinking what I could have done better, mm. uh, uh, when it came to the second tournament, to that uh, Edinburgh tournament, I literally yeah. gave him outside again twice. Mm. And this time, I caught him, and uh, it was good. Okay. So, good for confidence, and also Paul was like, pretty much excited from there on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's hectic. Yeah, William, right? But funny enough, when he played 15s, he was extremely average because I remember um, he played for many years in France and stuff like that. And like he was only playing, I think, like Federal 1. I saw him in a couple of games. Uh, he looked very normal at 15s level. But yes, knowing what yeah, he I think servants. I think if you look at, uh, is it Volo Vola? Volo Vola, the flyer. Mm -hmm. uh, he... Yeah, William William Ryder is a similar type of player, but William Ryder shies away from contact. Mm. Whereas, like a guy like Vola Vola, he will stand up and say, "My channel is my channel," you know. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not making dominant tackles, but at least is is making an attempt to tackle. Whereas William Ryder didn't. He didn't. Whenever we were we were look, uh, looking at Fiji, we knew if we break the line, it's a try because he's not going to make attempt attempt to tackle. So I think. Yeah. When it comes to 15s, he's he's definitely one of those players that should have just stuck with sevens and probably mm -hmm. would have broken all the records. Uh, but but obviously it was for Fijians it was more about the money. Yeah, to go uh, at that time it was not professional and uh, it was before the Olympic uh, committees started putting more money in sevens. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And then um, just before um, we get off the sevens topic, um, like what would you say was the secret? The secret ingredient, man, when Abuda to, you know, to just your guys' seven success was it work ethic? Was it you know guys getting along? Like, you know, you guys just always seem like such a special group. Even the guys that are playing now, it's like what you guys started back then. You know, is still carrying on in the structures now. You know, with the guys that are there. You know, with your Broncos and I know Cecil Africa um, retired now from sevens. He came back and then he left again, but. The guys that are there now are carrying on everything that you guys built. What is the secret ingredient? <laughs> I just want to know. Yeah, I know. Look, um, so I, a lot of people always ask me this question. And mm -hmm. I say to them, the one thing that we, 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 we worked hard on was the brotherhood. Okay. For example, we, we were friends. Um, it, it's very unheard of that a squad of 20 guys can mm -hmm. be in one group without any, you know, what they call in 15s, clicks. There's, mm -hmm. there's no... Mm -hmm. That's true. So, in 2008, we we had a big meeting in Australia to... to Paul wanted to wanted us to define what do we want for this team? Like, what do we want to define and make sure that people, when they see us, what do they see? So, one of the first things we, we talked about was our values. Mm. And, um, the values of the team and uh, what the mission of the team would be. The mission of the team would be obviously um, touching people's lives because we always felt sevens was uh, was not the they didn't get the same respect as the fifteens team. But mm -hmm. 
they they had their own sort of their own fan base so we wanted that fan base to feel at home when they look at the team mm-hmm. and uh, obviously with the values that we had as well uh, humility uh, respect you know excellence working hard was just for us every time we worked hard every time we we ran fitness we just uh, knew that is we're not doing it for ourselves we're doing it for the people at home mm-hmm. uh, yeah and and then obviously for for us as well it was about making a name for ourselves because we got a lot of criticism back in the days from south africa from south african rugby fans saying that um the sevens team is just a they they said it's just um basically like a it's not a springbok team but it's just to make rugby players comfortable and for mm. us we we spoke about those kind of things and we said we're going to make them respect us and mm. we can't make them respect us if we're not winning if we're not winning and then we can't exactly. make them respect us if we if we're losing tournaments you know so we that's decided true. that's what we wanted and uh, the generation that came after that um sort of took over the same because when we when we left the team mm. the leadership group was the one pushing the same idea that we had mm. so mm. it sort of trickled down every every group of uh, players that are coming in they sort of get the same uh same speech same uh, mentality which is why when you look at the team you always see that there's a sense of uh there's a sense of love in this team and, yes man and yeah, the guys was, buy into it that's what i like it all started it all started back in back in 2008 yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's it's all, it's really awesome to see nyani bro that every single new player that just slots in there they buy into the culture they buy into when like you said um that brotherhood and just that will to fight for each other because it, you know there there's tournaments where you watch where it seemed like you guys were down and stuff but somehow you know you'd always be able to just claw your way back um you know to clinch you know tournament titles and stuff like that so 100% yeah, uh, i think it's the belief that it's, started it's special it's what yeah. what what you guys built in that seven setup i promise you it really is special you know All right, Gabriel. And then um again, just before we leave the seven. So now, I remember when uh, when I was in Poch in 08, you were switching between codes um between sevens, you know, SA sevens and then you'd be back for the Leopards um Curry Cup campaign. Like how challenging was it for you number one, to maintain like, you know, um your weight because you know in sevens you got to be a little bit lighter and then 15s you got to bulk up like how were you able yeah. to how were you able to swing that you know because you play both codes in one season basically yeah so um what happened what it happened is uh when we signed that fully professional sevens contract mm-hmm. that was 2007 uh we all had a choice uh because my contract was not a big contract and mm. I was still a young, I was still a newbie in the team mm. so we all had a choice to play the sevens uh, series and then after that you can join a 15s team until you are called back we we were called back around about october okay uh, end of october towards end of october which would meant that we weren't going to miss out on any seven series because we only started to with dubai a month a month before so dubai dubai was going to be in december early december which means we would have been started our pre-season in um, in november so no. the so when i played for ipoda in 2007 mm-hmm. 
mm. I literally uh, got the, the assigned the sevens contract and then I got the offer from the Leopards to oh, move okay. to them for the curry camp. Mm. So, mm. so then I spent uh, time obviously with the with the sevens till June and then I joined the Leopards you know, for that three months. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, one of the best three months I've ever spent in uh, in <laughs> rugby. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was it was simply amazing. The the, the welcoming that I had in Porch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they loved you in Porch. Yeah, I was the only only non-speaking uh, Afrikaans guy, and that's actually where I developed uh, my Afrikaans quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, you had no choice. Now that's also you had how to speak Afrikaans because definitely you had no definitely. choice in Porch. You had you had zero choice. Um, and yeah, no, but I mean, I just remember, I, I think I hung out with you a couple of times where at Bukdorf, I remember you guys used to have fries over there. Um, yeah, with Yeah, remember that, yeah. All right. Um, and then just moving on, but I mean, at, at the height of your career, you know, this was after you guys had just won the 2008-2009 HSP7s. Um, and I think... Um, the Leopards had also been promoted to playing in the Premier Division, you know, and you were at the height of your, basically your powers in terms of professional rugby. You know, the life-changing accident you had, man. Um, how how were you after that and how did you deal with it? Um, it uh, yes, of course, it was a struggle. I mean, um, we just won a World Series, uh, mm. I think. So it was the first World Series for South Africa. Oh, mm. I was really, really looking forward to... Uh, playing again the following season because I'd, I'd literally just started being a, a well-known in the team. Mm. Um, starting to be a regular in the starting lineup even. So I was really looking forward to it. So it was quite, so it was quite tough uh, uh, to go through something like that. And then, I mean, for the six, the six months that I spent um, at home, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was hard. Um, but, you know, um, through through prayers, through through people um, mentoring, saying that look, what it was not meant to be, but there's a reason, uh, there's a bigger picture. Why mm-hmm. why you why why it didn't work out the way that you would have hoped, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, life will have to continue, uh, which is why um, in, in, when I was still in hospital. Paul had, had had said to me, if I do want to coach, he can help me. He can bring me in the seven setup, maybe coach the juniors one or two, so that I can build up my coaching. Mm. And uh, I accepted because the it was literally the the one thing that I've I've loved was that team. Mm. So I accepted the role and uh, and like I said, through support of family friends, uh, I managed to get over it. And there's not a day, a single day, I re- I regret um, or, or wished anything could have been different i mm-hmm. i am where i am today because of the same decision that uh, was put onto my table in, in 2009 mm. uh, no, i hear bro. i hear and yeah um did you did you receive any counseling for that like did you see um, a therapist um during that time i saw i i went to i saw a couple of uh, a pastor um, oh, pastor, okay. uh, yeah a pastor okay. we used to have what you call cell group uh, cell nights uh, we used Some. to, yeah, we used to go through, talk about things. Mm. Uh, but for me, um, and not, not a lot of people will know, but uh, I'm, I've got this strong mindset that, you know, when something doesn't, it's not meant to be, it's not meant mm-hmm. to be. So mm-hmm. uh, I move on, I move on very quickly from situations. Mm. 
Okay. And it's not that it's not hurting to move on, but it's just that, I mean, you've, you've seen my social media. It's all about positivity. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so it, it, it does come from the, from the heart. It's something that I believe in or, or, or live by, by it every day. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, sometimes when, you, when, you, when I go to therapy, I always feel like it's pointless for me because what the person is trying to get out of me Mm. It's something that I've already put in away. You know oh, what I mean. Yeah, so that's yeah, why I, yeah. that's why for me, uh, it, it doesn't really work. But uh, I mean, I, it it is important in in a person's life uh, to have such a situations. Okay, I know that's inspiring, Bruno. And seriously, you know, your processing method, um, like you're saying, you dealt with it, but you told yourself that you know, Ubomi has to move on. You know, you got to move on. Ubomi at Quebec. Yeah. Um, I know that's inspiring. Thank you for sharing that story, bro. Thank you for sharing. All right. And then now, a next point, your coaching journey. Um, could you just, again, just like you did with your sevens career, just highlight, because I know you've coached many teams. Um, could you highlight, you know, some of the, you know, the ups and some of the downs, you know, when you began your coaching journey now from, I guess, 2010-ish? Yeah. Mm. Um. I've actually had a few uh, very outstanding results-wise, or I could call it um, something rewarding in, mm. in my coaching. But the most important is um, is the people that I've worked with in the past. Uh, that's quite a lot for me. Um, so if we look at, for example, 2011, I took a team to Commonwealth Games, which is an mm. under-18 team. Mm. Mm. Uh, I had uh, quality, some, some quality players that some of them are Springboks today. I mean, Chase okay. and Kobe were on that team. Kwaha Smith okay. was on that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even Marx wasn't on my squad, but he he was just too big. I couldn't have taken him. What's his name? Karl Marx? Is Karl Marx? Yeah, Malcolm Marx. Oh, Malcolm Marx. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Malcolm Marx. So I couldn't take him, but... He was there, under Asta Hazen was there. So I had a quite a good squad, and we lost mm-hmm. in the final. I mean, coaching those boys, seeing them grow from when they first came into that setup and seeing their careers grow was just, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, working with Paul was quite a massive one for me because he, he literally is still my mentor today. He helped me through my coaching, allowed me to grow, allowed me to, to make mistakes, but everything was always under pressure. Mm. because he said to me you can never survive in this game if you don't feel pressure so so it was quite uh, quite an insp- uh, important and inspiring for me to to have worked with someone like that and uh and then in 2013 mm. i took a team to commonwealth uh, not commonwealth games um world games okay uh, yeah world games was uh, one of uh, top highlights as well because i worked as a head coach in that team and uh, we won. We won that uh, World Games. So it was just before, as the last World Games before the the save rugby sevens was uh, omitted to the world, to the Olympics. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and then obviously the disappointment was not to be selected as a head coach uh, after Paul Thru left. Mm-hmm. That was really but you know, um, like I said, life continues. So I moved to Kenya with Paul. Yeah, uh, I was his assistant. Uh, we I was in Kenya for two years, mm. and and then uh, moved to 
and then I, I went back home to coach 15s. Okay. That's when I it, that's when I, I started coaching the under the, the 2017 uh, 2017 um, Southern Kings, no? Southern Kings, yes, mm-hmm. the the rugby team. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they, I mean, coming from Savings background into that kind of environment, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I learned quite a lot from mm-hmm. that. But for me, what was most exciting was the people that I worked with, just the 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 way they uh, they wanted to, they wanted it, they wanted it, and. Uh, and I think that's why we got the results we got from that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, in 2017, after the Super Rugby, I got a job in Germany, moved to Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Germany, I literally had the most um, inspiring time there because here was a team that just needed coaching and needed yeah. guidance. and. Yeah. Uh, and we, I took the team to, we won the European Championships in 2019. Wow. Yeah. And then in 20, yeah. And then in 2019, I left again because I have two babies. I have twin boys. Absolutely. Mm, mm, so, <laughs> yeah. So I left them. I left uh, because, uh, I mean, there were still two years at the time and I still mm. felt I needed to be around uh, South Africa for me to be able to assist in any or be able to get a call and say, listen, your child needs you, he's sick, so mm-hmm. I can do something mm-hmm. about it, instead of being uh, two or three days away. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's why I took the decision to go back home. Um, nope. Then, Yeah, then when I go back home, I uh, worked with the Kings again, but now in the Pro 14, there's no okay. Pro 14. And uh, then lockdown hit. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then after lockdown, obviously, started looking for an opportunity, and um, and I found one here in Russia. In Russia, yeah. And how has the coaching been in like? How is um, the rugby culture over there, and how's how's the coaching going? Uh, yeah, the rugby culture is quite a small community of uh, people, okay. um, but it, but the 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 rugby itself okay. is known, but it's just that for people. They don't have the access to it because most of the nations that play rugby uh, all speak English. Mm. Um, yeah, and obviously it is a little bit hard in terms of the language barrier. Mm. But uh, but in terms of coaching, it's it's been absolutely a a dream. When I first arrived, um, coaching a club, uh, I was coaching a club when I first arrived, and uh, within two weeks. Um, I had we had won a tournament for the first time for the club. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then after that, uh, things just started getting better. And then by the end of 2021, mm-hmm. uh, I had been made the head coach of the Sevens national team. So that was, so like I said, it's been it's been one of those where you feel rewarded because when I arrived, mm-hmm. everyone everyone sort of all in the rugby circles, everyone knew who I was because mm-hmm. I worked and, and played against Russia. Yeah. So so everyone knew who I was, but to to make an influence in a in a team and see the team grow and also the union recognizing that okay, this guy is actually good for this job and and, and awarding me the job. Mm. Um, yes, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. It's a pity. It's a pity. Yeah, it's been it's a pity that we got sanctioned uh, mm. this year, so we haven't really competed anything. So mm. yeah, hopefully the future will 
some things will change and be different. Yeah, now nah, hopefully, man, hopefully, and and congratulations, bro. I mean, to to be named as the national team, you know, sevens coach, and you're not even from that country, you know, those are things that usually happen, you know, in in professional soccer, you know, where you have a coach of another country coaching a national team. In rugby circles, yeah. you know, it's very seldom, like yeah, very much happens. so that a foreigner will come in and be the head coach, you know, of yeah. that and set up. So I no, thank you. Congrats, thank you. Bro, congrats. All right. Okay. So um, we're just going to play a very quick two question, right? Um, like surprise rugby quiz game where I'm going to give you a game, game scenario, and then you have to select um, which option you take. All right. All right. Okay, in the line. On your outside, you have, Either this player, you've got your options are you've got Fabian Juris, Siavelo Senatla, or you got Smura Sitole. Who you who you giving it to to finish it off? <laughs> I'll give it to Sabelo because to Siavelo because we need the the two points and he'll definitely go under the post. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Question number two. Question number two. Now on defense. All right. Uh, we've talked about we've talked about this player how dangerous he is if he breaks the line. William Ryder has broken the line. At sweeper, we have three options: it's either Cecil Africa, Branku, or yourself. Who are you picking to get William no. Ryder? Cecil any day. Cecil <laughs> Africa any day. Okay, all right. Yeah, no. So that's just the, um, the the quiz game that I I create like for any athletes that comes on the show. Like if it's a soccer player, I create like a game situation for mm. them, and then I give them options. Um, no, all right. Good. So just moving on to the next point, Gibra. Um, are there any like business ventures, maybe, or anything that you're involved in off the field that you know you'd like you'd like to advertise or market? No. No, no, no. Um, at the moment, I'm pretty much strapped up here with uh, just rugby. Um, mm. Working in my with my with my main team and youth team. Okay. So back home, there's nothing happening really. Um, but for future, definitely looking to start something back home. Mm. It gets a little bit difficult when um, when you're overseas and you don't have someone really that can help you out on that side. But that's true. That's true. In future, but hopefully in future things will change and uh, so get some stuff done off the field. Okay. All right. No worries. But Vuyo, thank you so much, man, for, you know, just agreeing to do this um, and for sharing your journey. Like I said, I mean, I've, I've followed your career since I was in high school and um, getting to meet you in my brief stint in Poch, um, that was amazing. You were always, you know, very humble and willing to just chat rugby and joke around during the prize and um, to, to just see how your career has flourished, not only as a player, but transitioning you know, to the coaching role has been nothing but inspirational and amazing. And no, thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really, uh, what you're doing here is really good. Um, keep it up and obviously wish you all the best and making sure that you you are successful in what you do. Thank you, bro. Thank you, thank you. Cheers, so, yeah, so with that being said, um, I'm going to let you go now. Um, so you can thank you. All right, super. Cheers, man. Sure, give up. Right, in this segment of our podcast, we actually want to talk about and promote our client and partner, Getafe Madrid 
International Football Academy. Right, this is an academy, football academy, soccer academy, that is based in Madrid, Spain. Getafe recruits players between the ages of 15 and 17 years old. Players are able to learn from quality coaches from around the world, UEFA accredited and licensed coaches. Players are also afforded the opportunity to receive a quality education with the academy's partner school, Akinas American School. Right, so if players enroll with the academy and study up until they finish their diploma, they are able to obtain a diploma which is USA accredited. And when they obtain this, they are able to enroll and study at any university in the world. All right. So this is an amazing, amazing soccer opportunity for any young player who has ambitions of developing in a foreign market. Passports are open to every single individual in the world. All right. A disclaimer about this uh, promotion is that I, as a football agent that is registered in Japan, I do not represent players under the age of 18. My relationship and partnership is with the academy. All right. So with that being said, I will only liaise with parents or legal guardians of young players. So for anyone listening to this and wanting to find out more information you can find out by going to our website which is www.magsportsagency.net that is www.m-a-g-sportsagency.net all right over there all the information is displayed in terms of tuition and the application process. Obviously, before players are accepted into the academy, um, there are certain requirements that players need to meet in order to be accepted into the academy. So only being talented as being a player, that is simply not enough. This is an academy that places an emphasis you know, um, in education as well. This is an academy that understands the importance of education as well. So what they strive to do is equip young football players with the skills they need to excel at a high level as professional soccer players, but also to have the education that is needed for life after a professional soccer career. All right. So this is an amazing opportunity and um, I would recommend it. I definitely recommend it. Madrid is an amazing city. Spain, the Spanish winters are the best winters because they don't get as cold as the rest of Europe. And this is an amazing opportunity for a young child to develop and mature as an athlete and an individual. All right. They will gain the exposure and they will be able to basically be based in one of the cities that is considered as one of the capital soccer cities of the world. You know, in the city, they've got one of the biggest football soccer brands in the world, in Real Madrid. So if that doesn't inspire a young player, I don't know what will. 
all right so make sure you check out the website for more information and i look forward to hearing from parents and legal guardians who would like to take their child's um, football career and educational um, career to the next level all right take care i'm looking forward to hearing from you All right, man, and that was Vuyo Zanga, um, you know, just sharing some wisdom and sharing some stories with us. And uh, yeah, really appreciate having him on the show, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, just, so just before I go, um, just, you know, I always do this pretty much at the end of every show, just to thank everyone who's supporting the podcast and who keeps supporting the podcast. Um, and if you're wondering how you can keep supporting the podcast, um, you know, our podcast merch is available. Um, I'll make sure to drop, you know, the link on the description of the podcast. And then also, um, yeah, just a shout out to our sponsors, man. You know, Fila UK, um, 365 Gaming UK, BetterHelp and MyProtein. Um, you know, it's always great to work with, you know, sponsors that believe in the show and believe in the vision. So shout out to you guys. And for anyone, you know, looking to have an unbelievable, you know, online shopping experience with any of these brands, I'll definitely make sure to um, leave the link at the description of the podcast as well. All right. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, this is Zila, a.k.a. Chestan Bekela. Um, you've been listening to Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. All right. Take care, guys. Um, yeah, winter's coming now. It's getting cold out here in Tokyo, but um, all good, man. Good vibes. Um, it's that time of the year. You know, it's November time and yeah, things are coming to an end and, you know, we're just wrapping up the year. But looking forward to bringing you guys more sporting, uh, sorry, sporting content. <laughs> sporting. Sporting content. Um, so yeah, take care of yourselves and I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers. And remember our sporting slogan, man, for this podcast. We don't only talk sports. We lived it. We effing lived it. We fucking lived it. <laughs>